0: Hello and welcome to the Road Monkey podcast and episode 79. My name is Kevin Picard, and welcome to the show that will hopefully inspire you to challenge yourself, whether that's professionally, personally or in any other aspect of your life. Last week, we had broadcaster Simon Mundy on the show and explored taking a leap of uncertainty and how to navigate that journey. And this week, we are back with another conversation of inspiration, and we speak to a freelancer who has been on their own fascinating journey, both professionally and personally, from teenage trauma through to parenthood, and then creating her own startup along the way. Our guest today is Charlotte Pirrie, marketing and website extraordinaire. She was behind the social pages that were originally set up for MSN Messenger back in the day and has a really interesting story of how that all unfolded and led to her founding her own business, Run Marketing. You can find more about what Charlotte does in the show notes, but I'm not going to say much more than that, as this episode is packed with gems and I don't want to spoil it for you. Just before we get started, make sure you're giving us a follow on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we're also on LinkedIn. Okay, let's get into it and episode 79 of the Rogue Monkey podcast and the penultimate episode of season 10, Charlotte Perry and Run Marketing. From Trauma to Triumph, the journey of a freelancing marketing consultant. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Charlotte. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thanks for coming on. I know... Uh, you're not the, the first one in our little circle, if you'd like to come on the podcast. We had Lauren <laughs> recently on the season as well, and we were talking before we started recording. It's, it's interesting to share stories that I think are a lot more relatable, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who probably will know about some of the things you're talking about today, but probably haven't thought about it in the depth that you're going to hopefully go into. So there's, I'm looking forward to exploring your journey, but to get us started, do you want to give us, I guess, a quick introduction as to who you are and your headline journey so far?
1: Yeah, so I am Charlotte. I am a new freelancer in the world of marketing, um, having had a successful career in marketing and website management. And I am a mum of two, I was going to say little babies, but they're not little babies, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And I'm also a wife too, which sounds strange, but my husband, Ben, who also runs his own business. So we've got a lot going on in our busy life.
0: And that's where I think a lot of people can currently <laughs> relate to right now, because we all see these lovely videos on Instagram and whatever it is of how simple all these business ventures are and don't often see the what is a thousand juggling balls going on behind the scenes. So I think we'll, we'll get into all of that. But I guess kind of going right back, where was this interest in the, the space of marketing? And also, we were talking when we met up a few weeks ago about how. We kind, of, we kind of came through university at the same time and it was perhaps a period of time where actually the world was undergoing quite a big change you know probably in the years prior to university for us Facebook didn't exist uh, YouTube was just getting going and those sorts of things whereas now kind of the world you operate in is very very different so what's that journey been like from where you started I guess all the way through this kind of evolution of the tech world
1: yeah, that's really interesting you say that, actually, and I'll get on to like a point in my career where social media was such a big part. So I kind of got into marketing and advertising because I always had quite an interest in like so um, psychology, sociology. I did those as A-levels. Wasn't sure whether I wanted to go down a kind of more of a medical career and then kind of got a bit scared and was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that a bit much that um, I can kind of use that interest in those skills in marketing it's kind of they're quite transferable interest in people bit of psychology into how people buy that sort of thing that's kind of what led me down the marketing path um, and I studied marketing and advertising at the University of Hertfordshire but on what was called a sandwich degree at the time I don't know if it's still called that you do a year's internship in your third year rather than finishing then you go back for a fourth year so during that year I got an internship at Microsoft which is a really prestigious internship for a full year paid and that was absolutely instrumental to my whole career um but the reason I got that internship was because at they do like assessment center days and it's all very like I don't know pressured and lots of people in a room and aptitude tests and all sort of stuff we had an interview, and it was with a kind of team in London rather than their base in Reading. And they were doing a lot of online stuff, and they were sort of talking. And I mentioned that I have Twitter and that I tweeted, and they were like, "Oh my god, she knows what it is, and like she can use it." And that's how I got the job because they wanted someone that could take on um, establishing social media presences for Hotmail and what was MSM Messenger at the time. That's a blast from the past. So I got the internship probably somewhat based on merit because I'd always worked hard and had kind of good grades on my first and second year at university but yeah because of social media and it wasn't really a thing at the time so as a 20 year old doing an internship at Microsoft Chuck me in at the deep end was responsible for setting up Facebook and Twitters and all sorts for Hotmail and MSM Messenger in the UK which now I think about it it's kind of crazy because everyone had MSM Messenger <laughs>
0: And this is, I guess, why I wanted to, to delve into your story, because we're, I guess, really fortunate coming from a, a generation that went through that adult life, kind of living this this very quickly evolving world. And I know in our previous seasons, I've had a guest on who spoke quite extensively about the world of blockchain and crypto and all those sorts of things. And it's, it's, it's changed my head. Yeah, <laughs> as, as with me. But I think, when you when you delve into this stuff, it's fascinating how an industry changes so much. And what I'm, I mean by that, I guess, is generally speaking, although things might change and evolve by a few percent each year in whatever industry you're in, whether it's, you know, if you go and train as a doctor within reason, you know, what you learn 10 years ago won't be massively different to now. And the same with being a coach and the same with being an English teacher and all of those sorts of things. Whereas in the space of marketing, and especially if you listen to people like, Karen Brady and people like that that were around in the radio advertising years where that was the primary form of, of advertising to where it is now where anyone, pretty much anywhere, can build a website, set up a shop, create a product, market it themselves for free if they're savvy with social media and actually create a community and an audience. And I guess that's it's incredible, but also like we alluded to with the whole crypto thing, A lot of people are not necessarily out of their depth, but perhaps in an area they don't fully understand. So at what point when you kind of started on on the academic journey, if you like, but certainly going through the school years, did you kind of go from a point of, I'm interested in this to actually there's something in this, I guess, longer term as a career? And did you hone in on something specific or was that during, I guess, over that kind of three, four, five year period at university, did that evolve and change?
1: I can't really pinpoint a time, to be honest. Um, I think, to, if I'm truly honest, it's something that I kind of plucked out of thin air when I was doing my UCAS application. I was really torn between whether to do midwifery, like down a um, health route, like I said, or this. So kind of, it was just a bit of a light bulb moment, all oh, like marketing and advertising. But thinking back, I've always been really interested in like adverts, like I'd be the kid that would sit and watch the adverts or like lo- like the logo game, that sort of thing, like before the logo game was a thing. And I'd always like my daughter, who's four, is just getting into reading. And I said to her, I was like, you're going to be just like mummy was. And I'd sit and read like the back of a cereal box or I'd sit and read the packaging of like, I don't know, anything I could read. I would read it. But I wonder if some of that comes into that. Like, I was always interested in how things were presented and how things looked different. And I remember doing like school art projects where you would like copy out a packaging and I don't know, stuff like that and always been interested in branding in general really so I think it's always been something that's kind of been there um and then had a bit of a light bulb moment that actually I can kind of take that interest interest in psychology sociology people how people work how people interact and kind of shift that into marketing but from more of a career point of view I because university I don't get me wrong I know that university is important and it gives people it gave me a foot in the door at Microsoft but I don't think I learned anything there that particularly helped me in my career there was that was very much talking about old school marketing and advertising in the sense of like big advertising agencies and coming up with billboard campaigns and, that was kind of what I aspired to at that point and working in a big agency, but then having done my internship kind of got into, oh, online websites, that's the thing. Because as part of my internship, I was also just given, I think it was about at the time, like a 20,000 pound budget, which for an intern that's never done anything before is insane um, to work with an agency to update some websites um for the brand, for the Hotmail and MSN Messenger brand, and kind of worked really closely with an agency on like planning what the pages would look like, going through rounds of amends, what needed to be where, what customers needed to see so actually very early on in my career I was able to say actually I really enjoyed doing this website stuff this could be a route for me and then when I left university um kind of not stumbled into I kind of don't give myself enough credit but fell into a job where it was I think it was called like online merchandising assistant so online was in it didn't really know what I was doing like what I'd be doing but actually a lot of that was dealing with the website as well for that business so kind of websites only came to me through doing and through experience and having like a role in a company rather than what I'd learned academically I think that answers your question
0: it does and I think something that that kind of jumped out at me there was you talking about being the person that read the packaging and looked at all of the the ways in which it's designed and thought through and those sorts of things and read a fascinating book a few years ago by a guy called Malcolm Gladwell uh, and he was talking about something called Maven's um, and they effectively like set the set the trends almost, uh, and it looks at the roots of a lot of pandemics, if you like, but not the pandemic we've just had, but in terms of pandemics of trends in business and advertising. And it was talking about how actually, if you look at the way that packaging is set up and those sorts of things, the the way in which you can feedback, and obviously now it's even easier through social media, is designed to catch those people who are interested enough to take the time to give that honest, detailed feedback. And I think being in that position you are now where you're looking at an external company's website and offering and giving all that feedback you were almost preparing for that kind of maybe 20 yeah, years uncharted. ago yeah and yeah obviously you'd have never thought of it like that but there's an there's an immense level of drive uh, and anyone who you know runs their own business has to have that but where did that kind of come from because running your own business and especially going freelance is not easy so at what point can you you, again can you pinpoint on it or is it something that evolved over time that drive to yeah do it yourself?
1: I think I've always been very academic um, which I think is a blessing and a curse um, which I can go on to talk about more in detail because I've got kind of a bit of a bee in my bonnet at the moment about being academic and a bit of an overachiever and how that's not always good um so always had like a bit of a drive but when we spoke before I kind of touched on it with you that I lost my mum when I was 18 I was in my first semester of university and my mum passed away really suddenly and as an 18 year old I was her next of kin I had to take on this huge well having lost my mum which was the worst thing I could have ever possibly imagined happening in my life but also take on the responsibility of paperwork probate planning a funeral all this stuff that nobody ever wants to do but you especially don't want to do when you're 18 years old and you're in your first semester of university and everybody else is just going out getting drunk and having fun and not got care in the world um and I think that has pretty much shaped the rest of my life like I had to grow up in an instant um so I think a lot of people say oh you're quite wise or whatever and I'm like well I had to be like I had to just go from being a silly 18 year old with I don't know being quite an academic silly 18 year old but to being this grown-up that was responsible for herself um I moved in with my dad but he had his own sort of second family through a second marriage so it wasn't the same as kind of being at home so I think that kind of gave me quite a big drive to say like I can either go one of two ways I can let this consume me or I can let this drive me and I think that kind of yes it was a really difficult time but also was like I can't let this affect the rest of my life so I need to work really hard I need to get a first in my first year of university I need to get a first in my second year because then that will help me get my internship and that will help me get this and kind of using that to drive me forward and I think um, almost in a sense like make sure that I'm never in a position where I'm not I can't look after myself but that was kind of I was lucky that my dad was there but also that I'd always been quite um, good at planning. Like I'd always had a job since I was sixteen. I had a little bit of money to support myself, and having lost my mum at eighteen, so suddenly it—I was not geared up for it in a way. But I was sensible enough that I could still continue with kind of looking after myself. And I think that sort of drove me to be. I want to always want to be able to look after myself, and I need to do well and be successful to be able to do that.
0: I'm gonna. I guess we'll get into some of the more professional stuff in a minute, but I'm. I'm really curious of how that has kind of been honed and shaped that drive over the years, because I think too often, as I said, people I think see running your own business um, and growing businesses as being quite glamorous from the outside. And it's really cool. And you, you know, your own boss and all those sorts of things. And you have to be extremely disciplined, which is obviously, as you've alluded to there, a skill that you've honed over a long period of time. But at what point, when you're throwing kids into this because you know being a a business founder that also is a parent and that's something that I know many of our listeners can relate to of going again it's all well and easy saying you've got to do this and you've got to do that but hold on you've also got to do this and you've got to do that for the kids and get them to school and help with the homework and run them around and feed them and all of these sorts of things so where did that and I say balance very loosely because it's not a balance you just kind of muddle through but where did that kind of um i guess i'm trying to figure out the best way of phrasing it where did it come from in you to still have that drive from a business point of view whilst being a parent
1: i think for me i the kind of bubbling of wanting to run my own business started just after i'd had my first daughter And I think it was the thought of going back to work and having quite a professional career and seeing other people in that industry that were like me but didn't have children or were like me and did have children but were always like running around or stressed or whatever and just not seeing the balance basically. And that's when it started bubbling. So when I was on my first maternity leave, I bought my domain, I started setting up my website and then I went back to work and it just all went quiet because... When you're employed full time, I was doing four days a week in quite a busy and um, professional job. Just that I haven't got time for this, whatever. And then I had my second daughter um, during the pandemic, so July 2020. And my mental health suffered a lot. I had postnatal depression with my first, but not too much. Kind of got through it quite quickly with support. But with her, she didn't sleep and <laughs> um, sleep deprivation. If anybody knows, like she was waking me every half an hour for six months. I just went completely crazy and just couldn't function um and I think having had that mental health dip and I had to do a lot of work a lot of counselling to kind of get myself out of that and then kind of later I don't know into her first year I was feeling a lot better we were kind of settled and then I went back to work and I could feel my mental health slipping again as soon as I was back to work probably within the first four to six weeks I think I probably handed my notice in it about six to eight weeks after being back and I think it was just having had that real battle with my mental health and a lot of work to get it back to where it was, feeling that slip as a parent of two children, I thought, this isn't what I want. My children deserve more. I deserve more. This isn't a life I want to lead. Who's picking this kid up from where? What times are we picking him up? Who needs this in that car or what car? It was just too much. And I could feel everything getting bubbling and bubbling and bubbling. And I thought, I can't do this. I want more for my life. I want more for us. I Running my own business is, I think, the only way I'm going to get that. So That's what I did.
0: <laughs> and this is, it's obviously uh, a, a fascinating story from your perspective. And but I think just to broaden the context for the people listening, this isn't just you running a business. Ben your husband is also running a business that has been massively affected by the last 2 years if you had to pick industries that have certainly really struggled through the last 2 years anyone with an indoor fitness facility has really been up against it so making that decision in the pandemic whilst having an under the age of 1 year old 1 year old and all of these sorts of things how talk us through that journey because i think that's something again it's It's something that I think a lot of people can look at and go, oh, no, well, it is possible to do that. And it's going, well, it's not just that in isolation. There is, you know, another channel that's running alongside this that was under very high amounts of pressure as well. So how did you manage that and what was that journey like?
1: I think there's a couple of parts to it. So one part is Ben himself. He's an extremely driven person and he is very focused on his business. He's very clear about what he wants to do and he's made a huge success of it. Um, and the business was just starting to bounce back at the point where I went back to work in sort of September 2021. Um, and we could see that it looked like COVID was kind of going away. Um, well, still, it's not, but you know what I mean? Like that we wouldn't be getting more and more restrictions in place. Um, and the business had enough money in the bank to kind of support me if that's what I wanted to do and I have absolute faith in Ben that he will make success with whatever he chooses to do with that business So that's kind of one thing and I know that I'm extremely privileged to have that and and then I think the other part of it is that mental health battle and knowing that I have to prioritize my mental health for myself and my children and Ben and for our family and that I so a lot of the stuff that from losing my mum she also suffered with her mental health a lot and she had a lot of unresolved grief in her life she lost her dad when she was 13 and I kind of sort of had through counselling had a bit of a light bulb of like I don't want history to repeat itself I don't want to be in that same situation um so I think I have always kind of had my ups and downs with anxiety not necessarily depression but always been a very kind of I don't know emotional and quite anxious and a big worrier and having that turning point when my youngest was sort of six months just completely changed me. There was one point I saw an osteopath and it was because I'd taken my daughter there because she was um, very unsettled as a baby. And the, I sort of got talking to the osteopath and she offered me a free treatment because she could obviously see how much I needed it. So I went and saw her and she's a cranial osteopath and she did a treatment on me and I cannot describe the shift in myself. She did a lot of visualisation and she got me to visualise and I, visualized basically a rock with a crevice in it at the beginning she did a lot of work with me and a lot of breath work and by the end of it I could see a full rock with like um, orange and red around it and it was almost like she'd healed a broken heart it sounds cheesy but I don't know what she did this woman is absolutely incredible and that was such a shift for me but one thing she said to me was you live in your head a lot don't you and I was like yes I do live in my head a lot I'm con- I've am i got a constant internal conversation and just by her saying that really helped me to hone it back and that kind of then led on to this healing path working with a counsellor etc etc but all of those things combined then going back to work and feeling myself slipping back into that sort of grey just was like no I, c- I cannot do it I have to prioritise my mental health over everything um, and we're fortunate enough that obviously we could work out finances that if I didn't Get any clients within a certain amount of time, then we could just about get by. We've got some savings, that sort of thing. Um, but those were kind of the, the factors in the decision making. I completely trusted Ben. I needed to prioritize my mental health for myself and my family. Um, and we could just about manage without any money for a couple of months.
0: I think that's incredible. And I think there's a lot of uh, people out there that will take huge inspiration from this because I think the last two years, there's been a lot of bleakness. Um, a lot of challenges for a lot of people in, in all parts of the world but actually there's also been a lot of positive storytelling of people saying well I've tried this and you know we started this season off with a, a an entrepreneur who who went on and did incredible things with her business with her husband and actually I, I find it quite uplifting and I, I think back to the I think it's the Henry Ford quote that says if you think you can or you can't you're right and I do think that's kind of this attitude that we're kind of showing here of if you genuinely believe you're going to make it and you've got that drive and that support around you and you do frame your thinking positively you will make it work and you know we'll get into the business side of things but when you when you made that decision to to step away from the, the work after going back from a from maternity leave how quickly was it you know, a, a thousand miles an hour into setting up and running your own business because, like you said, it was something that perhaps sat dormant for a little while, um, and suddenly, when you almost give yourself that permission and a bit of a kick up the backside, if you like, when you hand in your resignation of right, this is it, this is on me now. What was that like, and how did you go about that?
1: It was terrifying because I'd worked for the same company for eight years, obviously with some maternity leave chucked in there as well. So, um. and it was a lovely company to work for I enjoyed the company but I just didn't necessarily enjoy what I was doing so much anymore it was really difficult to do on a part-time basis um so the decision itself was difficult I kind of um, uh, some of the other stuff I've said maybe makes it seem a little bit rose-tinted but it wasn't a difficult decision at all um but you know you just I really learned to trust my gut more and my gut was saying this is the right thing to do you can't continue going on how you've continued and I think I can't remember who the quote's from um But it's like a quote that sort of says, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're only going to get what you're going to get. That's not the quote that's paraphrased, but you know what I mean. Like, if you can, if you just keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same thing. Um, So I knew it was the right thing to do, but it was very difficult. And then throughout my, I had a two month notice period because I'm quite a uh, senior role. So I just used every evening that I had the energy to start making my website properly, even though it's still nowhere, nowhere near where I want it to be. I had a website there. Um, started sort of putting the feelers out with people I know about whether they might have any work for me. um just chatting to other friends that are freelancers, just getting a bit of feel for what I should do if there's any kind of processes and things I need to start thinking about. Um and then I kind of just said, right, I'm gonna give myself three months. If I earn nothing in those three months, we can get by um from leaving work up until kind of the three month point. I'm gonna keep my daughter in childcare so that even though it's a cost, I'm not going to be able to do what I need to do to build the business with a one-year-old running around. I do remember I did some online networking with her about, and then she came into the room. She'd been destroying her sister's bedroom and came in with a pair of uh, four-year-old knickers on her head, (laughs) picking in on my Zoom calls. I was like, yeah, from the very beginning, cannot work when child is involved. Work and child have to be separate. Um, Forgotten what my point was. Oh, so, yeah, building the business. I kind of gave myself those three months and didn't put too much pressure on it. And I think that was kind of really good for me because I didn't feel this like absolute weight on me. Like I have to make money, I have to do this, I have to do that. And it came a little bit more naturally. Um, So started picking up some clients fairly quickly and kind of getting an idea of a bit more what I wanted to do. I knew that I could do marketing, I knew that I could do websites, but what were those? I wasn't quite sure. Um, So very quickly kind of realized that my skills were I had a lot of, of SEO skills which is something that a lot of small businesses don't understand they're scared by it they really want support um to so very quickly learn. that's what I want to do um as, as well as the other stuff that I do but yeah don't think that answered your question I'm massively waffling.
0: No not at all and I think this is the <clears throat> the jump forwards I guess into the the business itself because I think it's really interesting to paint that picture from a personal point of view because I think that's the bit that it doesn't matter everyone knows someone who's founded their own business and I think the story behind that and that personal journey is something that a lot of people will have empathy with and go oh my god I understand I remember exactly what that was like going into this I guess space around SEO especially something that some people are listening to this going what's SEO I think I've heard of it uh, and I know we want to talk about CRO as well so if, in, in layman's terms what do you do
1: <laughs> what do I do um so I do a few things so basically where I specialize and where I think I can add the greatest value to small businesses I mean any businesses but I really like working with small businesses where I can really get in get to know people get to know businesses and really make a difference um is website optimization so making sure that a business's website is doing everything it needs to do for that business it's their shop front, basically. Um, So SEO is search engine optimization. So basically making sure that your website is geared up to appear in Google or any other search engines results pages for relevant searches that a user might make. So if you were a florist in Hertfordshire or, I don't know, a smaller town, you would want to be appearing when people search for florist near me or florist in Hitchin, for example. so what I do is make sure that they have got all the things in place on their website to get them at the top of those lists
0: when people search
1: for that. That's okay. SEO.
0: <laughs> well, that, 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 that's it in the sense of I, I immediately – okay, <laughs> I'm sure there's a few people that are still living in a cave, but the vast majority of us when we know how to use Google can go, I understand that now. And the frustration from a consumer point of view of I'm trying to find something and I can't find it – to I'm sure the frustration of a lot of small businesses out there going, we've got this, you know, we've got an amazing product or service or whatever it is, but we can't get it in front of people. So that's, I guess, point one or angle one we come in at. And then how does that move into, I guess, the second part of what you do?
1: So the second part of what I do, and I do do general marketing as well, but I think the website is so fundamental to any business because we do live in an online world. And like we touched on before, the world is changing, but online's not going anywhere. And, Anybody you talk to has probably got a smartphone right next to them. I'm sure you have. I've got mine right next to me now. If I want to know anything, I pick my smartphone up. I Google it. Um, So that's why I kind of focus more in on this part, because I think it's so important and so fundamental before businesses get too hung up on doing lots of other marketing. But this is one of the things they need to get right. What else I do um, that is quite different from what some other people are doing is I also do conversion rate optimization, which is basically making sure that anyone that does land on your website has all the right things in front of them to reach your end goal whether that is to buy something from you on your website whether that's to make an inquiry whether that's to make a booking um so that you're not only getting traffic to your website through seo but you're also getting a customer or hot lead sort of potential customer out of that traffic and i think um Not everyone kind of puts those two things together. And quite often in big businesses, if you've got an SEO team and a CRO team, they'll butt heads quite a lot because some of the stuff that the CRO team do might negatively influence SEO. And there's a fine balance. You're not always going to get it right. But without having a really kind of well thought out website with all the right buttons in the right place or the right text in the right place, the text saying what you do, there's no point sending all that traffic to your website because people are just going to go, well, don't know what this is. go away you need to catch people's attention and kind of get them interested get them moving through your website or your as like people would call it um if you were using more marketing you speak
0: i think the, the the funnel thing is something that and i've tried to explain this to people before and i say you know as a show of hands in a room how many people have amazon prime put your hand up if you've gone on amazon prime to look something look for something and left not buying something um and you know very the, few Very few. Um, And that is effectively in terms of product placement, if you like, from the shop, getting it to the top of Amazon's list. And then once you're on Amazon's website, you're going to buy it because they make it so easy. So I think that there's, there's something that, again, if people are not familiar with some of these terms, they can certainly relate to going shopping online on certain websites. And the sales process and finding things is made really easy. So I think that's something that I think a lot of people can relate to. And I think especially working with small businesses, often when you talk to, you know, a a medium or, you know, some of the larger corporations out there, there's quite a few layers to get through. So like you said, you don't get into it. You kind of just have a a touch point with like a part of that organization. Whereas when you're working with a small business, you can have that CEO, founder, MD, whoever it is in front of you and their team and actually explaining to you why they do what they do, how they do what they do, what they're trying to achieve, that vision Uh, that mission statement if you like and actually that must from a rewarding point of view it must feel much less transactional because you're not just going in with this company that you've heard of but you don't know all of our team do this for us and leave it's much more than that has that been something and i know you've been doing it a little while now that you've actually got to a point where you're like i'm really enjoying the human aspects of this as much as the process of, of cro and seo 100%
1: so even having worked in the company I worked for before was only sort of 100 employees maybe a few more but I didn't feel that connection with my work I couldn't see the direct output of what I was doing yes they were making millions and millions of pounds but I couldn't pinpoint the action I'd taken that contributed to that in a way so it almost feels a bit less rewarding and you can't really see the output whereas with the small business clients that I'm working with it's so rewarding to yeah, have a human connection. And that's a big part of what I do. I'm very much about just being a nice person, being a nice human, having a human conversation, being honest, open, like we're all just people, and kind of selling in that way as such, which is, doesn't feel like selling at all. Um, and I can see the benefit of what I'm doing. So even if I work with a client for quite a short period of time on their SEO. If they've not had much in place before, it doesn't take me long to go in, do what I need to do and then start seeing the results. And some of my clients now have been in business for six months, but I started working them very early on. So I've been working with them four or five months. They're seeing huge improvements in their businesses and the amount of clients they're getting through the door because of the work that I've done with them. And I say with them, they've not physically done the work, but they're the ones that are guiding me on what they big the goals that they've got and the output they want and paying me. So it's very much I still say we and I say we when I talk to them about their business, because I very much feel part of it. And I love seeing them succeed, like starting to get higher up in the rankings or they say to me, oh, I've had an inquiry. And I'm like, yeah, you have like it's great. I'm really happy for you, but you will be seeing this more and more and more. Like it will become a normal thing for you. People are finding you. You're not having to go, oh, where's my next client coming from? Or where's my next lead coming from? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. They just know that, like, trust that it's going to come because people are searching, they're appearing. It's so rewarding. And I think that's a big part of what I was missing in my role before is that there wasn't that reward. I kind of lost all my passion for what I did. And now it's kind of come back. It came back very quickly, kind of like, there is almost a there's days where I have massive imposter syndrome and I'm like oh I can't do it why does they not want to work with me oh I'm rubbish at this but then you see the results and you're like no I do know what I'm doing I'm adding value to these businesses I'm adding value to these people who now have more money to support their families and yeah it's massively rewarding
0: that's really really cool to hear and a little shout out to a podcast called conversations of inspiration run by a lady called Holly Tucker who you've probably heard of she founded yeah. on the high Street, and you listen to her talk about that passion for working with the you know the smes and actually it's i i think it's it's really really cool that you cannot work for a company in the sense of being within its four walls of paid in internal staff and you can get to a point where the language is we do things and like you say yes there is a they are paying you for it but it's that's this that's kind of the side bit, if that makes sense. You're going on that journey with them of, look, we have ambitions to get from here to here and you're you're holding their hand effectively on that journey through it. And I think that's something that businesses as a whole, especially brands that are looking to retain people, um, need to do better because actually we're getting to it. Work is becoming less and less transactional. It's becoming about values. It's becoming about the story. It's becoming about the journey that you go on. And I think through the nature of things like podcasts and all these other things that we get involved in, you can share these sorts of things. Whereas before, perhaps you might go to a, a marketing conference once a year and hear somebody that you've heard of in the industry get up and say a few things. Now, you know, you can you can lose days if you want to going on things like YouTube and podcasts and actually just listening to these stories of how you have really added value. But it's I, I don't know. I just think it's when you when you get to a certain size of business, the value always seems to just come down to money or in terms of how it's perceived. It might be, let's say, Netflix, for example, oh, it's worth one hundred and fifty billion or whatever it is whereas when you're talking about the local business that you've helped you're talking about the fact that their founders and teams you know are more financially stable they can look after their families all of these sorts of things and it's just so much so much more of a human connection and something I guess I wanted to ask about that because that's I don't think that's something you just stumble upon I think that's something that's kind of evolved in how you believe business should be done but what was the best bit of advice you've been given on this journey or, or a couple of pieces of advice? Have you had people on that journey who have helped you get to a point where you are now?
1: Oh, that's a difficult one because you, I do listen to a lot of podcasts and I do talk to a lot of people when I do a lot of networking. So I have a not necessarily advice, but I have a lot of conversations with people. Um, oh, that's a really tricky one. I think it kind of comes down to advice that not necessarily about being human and having a human connection I think I've kind of learned that bit myself in terms of I just happened to when I first started the well stopped working and started working on the business fell into um, like a week-long networking retreat that um, a lady of a local networking group was running just an online thing not a physical go somewhere retreat and it kind of just set that thing of, oh, networking. It doesn't have to be like standing around in a room and wearing a suit and whatever and just making connections with real people and having conversations and not feeling afraid to follow up or add someone on LinkedIn afterwards and continue the conversation. I think that wasn't necessarily advice, but that's something that's worked really well and happened quite naturally. Um, but another thing I think, which is advice that... Um, Come from other freelance friends is like having been professional because I think a lot of people can kind of go into freelancing and I did when I first started like oh I'll just make up a price and oh do I need do I need a contract or I'm not sure but actually after speaking to friends that are freelancers um saying yes you do need a contract and them sharing their contracts with me is inspiration and yeah I definitely get a signature oh we should probably ask for a deposit up front that would be a good idea that kind of advice has been like massively valuable because it helps put boundaries in place and help me protect my income protect my I guess mental health because I'm not like worrying about oh my god I haven't done the work and it's not gonna get paid that sort of thing so that's been really valuable advice as well
0: I think there's a lot to be said there around that. And you, you touched on it in the previous point around networking. And I think too often the the conversations of networking can be um feel overly like stifled or professionalized in the sense of traditional networking, where it's almost like speed dating with people that you probably actually don't want to spend any time around. Whereas people who generally get involved in the more softer aspects of networking, some of the online groups, uh, the local little groups and things like that. Actually, it's it's not that different from being almost like the old school village fates where people are just having conversations with each other and it happens to be linked to work. And I think that's something that I've picked up from spending time around you and Ben. And obviously, I know we do some work with with Adam and, and Lauren. and But the, that wasn't a formal networking group, if that makes sense. That was just people who want to help other people people in this space of going, have you thought about this? Have you tried that? Oh, there's somebody here I can connect you with. And it's that sort of thing where actually you get to a point and you're like, I have actually done a lot of networking, but only probably 10% of it could be formally labeled networking. And I think too often people might actually search for the formal stuff without realizing that if you list, I don't know, however many friends you've got on Facebook, go through and think how many of these people own their own businesses? How many people have founded their own businesses whilst being a parent? And suddenly you realise you've got 10 or 15 golden contacts within your own friendship circles. Um, And I think too often we often look outside of that to start with where often the answers are kind of in our laps.
1: And I think we're often scared to just talk to people, like face-to-face or have a conversation. And it's taken me quite a long time to get the confidence back again, especially after being in the house for so long to have the confidence to just chat to anyone and even now like, I find myself having random conversations with people I went to buy some flowers the other day I had about like, 10 minute conversation with a lady about hydrangeas and <laughs> I, said, I just I would never have called myself previously a person that would just chat to anyone but now I do I just end up having conversations and I went into like a shop the other day it's quite a new shop and I just said to the woman oh you've done something really lovely here I really like what you've done here's my card no pressure but just if you do need any support I know what it's like to sort of start a business just um give me a call and another lady in the shop went oh can I have your card (laughs) I I want to make a website and I was like okay but just having the confidence to just talk to people don't sort of be the one standing in the corner and I know not everybody has that confidence and it doesn't always come naturally but kind of thinking what's the worst that can happen like you might feel a bit silly or someone might not want to talk to you but What's the best that could happen, like you could make a great new connection, or you could reignite an old connection. Some of the work that I do now is based on me just putting like random posts on LinkedIn, not necessarily talking about very much at all. I probably wouldn't have the confidence to talk about SEO on LinkedIn because there's so many experts on there. But just, I think I put a post on there the other day about how many invoices I'd sent, and it had got quite a lot of people talking to me, and then people cropping up in my inbox. And it's like just putting yourself out there a bit more, and yeah, not being afraid to talk.
0: Yeah, and I, the phrase I want to pick out of that last thing you just said is "What's the worst that could happen?" Um, I was I was at uh, ironically a conference about <laughs> I'm trying to think how many. Well, it was pre-pandemic, so quite a while ago, um, and uh, it was down at the the London Olympic Stadium, and uh, the, this guy came in who was genuinely just wasn't a famous person in the sense if he walked in and you went, oh, that's whoever it is. He got up and told this story, and I d- definitely won't spoil it, but for anyone out there who's looking for those kind of inspirational people to hear from, it's a guy called Anthony Bennett. I think his Twitter is I am Anthony Bennett or something like that. Uh, I'll put the link in the, um, the comments underneath. And he spoke about he had uh, health challenges that ultimately he had to be resuscitated a number of times, uh, had a really <laughs> challenging 16-year-old experience. And anyhow, From that point on, he took a lot of opportunities and his mindset of, I have two choices here. If I say no, nothing will change. Like you said earlier, if you do what you have always do, you'll get what you've always got. Or something amazing could happen. And I think becoming more comfortable in that space is something that a lot of people have perhaps dabbled in, founding their own business, doing a little bit of online stuff during the pandemic or if they were on furlough or whatever it was. And now they've kind of almost lost that. Whereas I almost feel like we've now got a wave of people coming out of this, this like last few years where they actually go, and oh no, actually, I might do that. And I might try that. And you see it on the people that you follow on social media all the time. Like the biggest thing stopping you is action, just have a go. And if it goes wrong, you learn from it. And I think that's, it's a really healthy place to be. I think not in everything, you know, there are certain aspects of your life where you need that stability and security and uh, routine. But actually there's other areas where it's exciting to be in that space. And is that something do you feel like you've got to now where you're more comfortable doing those sorts of things?
1: Definitely. And I think that has taken time and age to kind of come with. Like I was talking to someone the other day and I said, I wish I could have tell my 20 year old self to like just put yourself out there more don't stop worrying about all the what ifs and what could happen and like just put yourself out there and do more um but yeah it definitely comes with time and experience doesn't it it doesn't just come out of nowhere but I think even if people can take really small steps into just pushing themselves a little tiny bit more out of their comfort zones even if that's in everyday life um, or in business just do that one thing that makes you feel slightly uncomfortable but a good uncomfortable I think trusting your gut's really important as well and that's again something that's come with time me I've always kind of trusted my gut but I do so more now than I have done in the past but yeah just if something feels like it could be good but you're still like oh I don't know it makes me feel a bit cool, then it's usually something you should just just push on a little bit further and just keep practicing and just yeah it will start coming more naturally
0: I listened to a a very, very funny story um, in the last couple of weeks from the founders of Innocent, the smoothie company. Um, And it was three. (laughs) I love Innocent. Well, and they used to
1: answer their phone, hello, banana phone. uh,
0: And it was in, I think, Fruit Towers. They named their their offices. I remember
1: studying them a lot at university, kind of going back to that conversation. It was a brand that I was obsessed with.
0: Well, I'll send you the interview, but uh, there was one point in it where they talked about how it was founded. And it was three guys that went to school together. They ended up creating all these juices and they basically agreed they were going to try and sell them at a festival. And if they all sold on the Monday, they would all go and quit. But they were like, our measure of how they would sell is they put a huge sign above their stand saying, we've made juices. We're going to try and make a living. If you think, yes, put your empty bottle in this bin. If you think, no, put your empty bottle in that bin. And apparently some of their parents put bottles in no bin because they didn't (laughs) want them to quit their jobs. And they said at the end of the weekend, the bin was full and, here they are now and it's it i think it's really really important for people to kind of and i don't mean this in a, a horrible way to people not get over the fear of it but just take a leap because in 5 10 20 years time you, if you didn't you'll look back and you'll think i really wish i'd done that whereas actually if it doesn't go well but it's hilariously disastrous you look back and go "Ah." Oh, That was so funny when I tried that, but nine times out of 10, actually, you take the leap and it leads to something that leads to something else. And then before you know it, you're running your own business or you're supporting someone running their own business or whatever it is. And you look back and think, I can't believe it's taken me this long to do it.
1: And I think it's all about taking measured risks, isn't it? It's like what you've got to have that sensible head of what is doable for you, maybe financially or mental health wise I don't know like you're not going to push yourself massively out of your comfort zone and it causes you to have a panic attack or something but you know what is doable for you and you know where your limits are it's a bit like being in the gym and being like oh can I do a couple of kilos more like on t- in terms of lifting or something and sometimes you just be like oh no could you are be being a bit lazy but actually you know that you could just push that a little bit further and you're not going to do any harm by doing it I think it's that and just having that balance and sort of trusting yourself
0: well you mentioned in your last point that if you could go back and speak to your 20-year-old self, you would tell yourself to, to stop worrying and just kind of crack on with it. But what, what would you go back and say to yourself now having lived all of this just starting out, even if it's still when you were at school, would there be something that you would say to, to that teenage Charlotte and you think that would have really helped at that point?
1: I think it's probably what I just said in like don't worry so much but also going back to that point of like pushing outside of comfort zones and kind of taking leaps is don't always feel like you have to plan so much. I'm a massive planner like if we were going on holiday I'd want to know the itinerary set out by the minute and we're going here and we're getting this to this place via this coach and I've got the thing printed out and it's in this folder like that was me. Whereas now I'm far more relaxed about it, which I never thought I would be. And actually life is a lot more interesting and a lot more fun when you don't plan everything. And I think, I know it sounds a bit cheesy and a lot of people are saying like, trust the process, but there is something in that, in that you don't always, I mean, in business, maybe you might have to have a five-year business plan if you want to get funding or something, but you don't always have to know what your next step is. Sometimes you just need to do something to be able to work that out. And often it's a blocker, to be trying to plan that far ahead because you'll always find a reason to say no. Whereas kind of, kind of going back to me, giving myself three months with the business to earn nothing, I didn't put any pressure on it, but it happened, but probably because I didn't have that pressure. Whereas like with the over planning, you kind of put that pressure on it and then it doesn't happen. It leads to disappointment. So I think what I would tell myself is stop worrying and stop being an over planner.
0: (laughs) I think that's fascinating because, uh, uh, a friend of mine childhood friend did, uh, has as recently exited a business and I remember thinking of starting the, the business from a podcast point of view in the, in the last couple of years and actually thinking oh I know someone who's like a pro at business I'll ring them and said right and I'd obviously you know you google what should I have when starting a business and it's like cash flow forecast business plan all of these sorts of things and he was like no 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 waste of time waste of time the second you write it down it's out of date and I was like okay this is a bit of a sharp learning curve but actually that's the point it's a learning curve it's not a straight line from one end to the other and everything's planned out one by one it would be boring and number two that's just not how the world works and certainly not the business world so i think that's a really really nice piece of advice to kind of pull it all together and I know there'll be people coming off the back of this and the small business owners thinking, I want to find out more about this. And we will put all of your details, the social media links, because you put some awesome stuff up on, on socials. Um, but for now, Charlotte, it's been really, really cool to explore the professional journey, but also the, the human journey as well, because I think that's something that a lot of people out there can relate to. So just a huge thank you for your time.
1: Thank you for having me. I hope it helps somebody.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast and don't forget we've got a back catalogue of content that goes all the way back to January 2020 including fighter pilots, Olympic champions, TV presenters and inspiring authors. We'd really appreciate it if you can give us a quick rate and review however you're joining us today and if you don't want to miss out on any future episodes make sure you hit subscribe. Our community update drops once a month and we've got some great guest content being added, so be sure to sign up for that. And finally, we're all about inspiring and supporting as many people as possible. So if you can share this episode with one person that you think would enjoy it, that would be really, really cool. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of the Rogue Monkey Podcast.